On behalf of Copeland Financial Ministries, I would like to welcome you to the workshop series titled Handling Money God's Way. The presenter, Tom Copeland, is a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ who has been called to teach God's Word on finances since 1982. Tom has helped thousands of people learn and apply God's financial principles, including reducing debt and saving for future needs. Tom is a chartered professional accountant and the founder and president of Copeland Financial Ministries. Tom's financial moments are aired on numerous radio and TV stations. Now, here's Tom teaching what the Bible says about handling money God's way. I'd like to welcome you to part three of session one on stewardship. In this session, we will go through a case study of a couple who are excellent stewards of what God has entrusted to them. Okay, case study number two. Ron and Marion are married. Shortly after they became Christians, they felt led by the Lord to study what God's Word says on finances. To assist in their learning, they also read Christian books written by Larry Burkett and Howard Dayton. The first thing they learned is that they were stewards or managers of the money and material things that God had entrusted to them. God was the owner. This revelation changed their spending habits, and as a result, before making any major financial decisions, they reviewed God's Word and prayerfully seek God's will. Even when they can afford to buy something for cash, they nevertheless ask God in prayer as to what they should do with His money. At that time, even though Ron's business was small, they demonstrated their trust in God by tithing. Ron and Marion came to understand that God warns of the dangers of debt and discourages debt, and thus they diligently paid off all their business and personal debts as soon as possible. Today they are totally debt-free, both corporately and personally. As they continue to learn and apply God's financial principles in managing both corporate and personal finances, God continued to bless Ron's business, and today Ron has a very successful business. Ron and Marion purposely give to the Lord's work, usually over 50% of their personal and corporate income. In addition, throughout the process, they daily spent quality time with the Lord in prayer, resulting in a very close personal relationship with Jesus Christ. They could often sense God's voice, as described in John 10:27. Ron acknowledges that God has given him the ability to earn a substantial income, as well as the blessings of a very profitable business. Nevertheless, Ron and Marion have felt led by the Lord to continue to live in their typical middle-class home and drive two used cars. It does not bother Ron that most of his business associates drive nicer cars and Marion is happy with her home because they both believe that they are building up treasures in heaven that will last for eternity. First question, have Ron and Marion practiced biblical stewardship? Have they acknowledged in their heart and mind that God owns everything and willing to, to manage things God's way? Yes, they sought God's uh, guidance in everything they did, even from small to big expenditures. And, uh, yep. Yep, they, sh- they sure have. Any, any, any other explanation as to why they have? Anything else you noticed that uh, indicates they were good stewards and they acknowledge God's ownership? Well, they're very um, wise with their, or not wise, very generous with their givings. Mm-hmm. They uh, yep. always gave first and uh, gave, gave our, I think they gave the first fruits of God. So, yep. Excellent. Yeah, they gave generously, that's for sure. I think. Um, their prayer life was very strong, mm. and they put um, that first and allowed God to lead them in everything that they did yep. with their money and with their life. Yep. Excellent. Seek God even if they have the money. 
um, in hand, they wait and trust God that he'll show them whether or not that it's a good purchase or not to me. Yep. One thing that's amazing, and I've seen this. Uh, by the way, I've seen lots of Rons and Marion. They're not common. It's a very small percentage of the population. And they don't have to have a lot of a successful business. I've seen Christians as committed as, as Ron and Marion are with very, very modest incomes. So uh, it's, it's, it's a question of uh, even when they had the money and could buy something, they didn't necessarily buy it. They, they waited for God's direction. They also sought uh, godly counsel by reading you know, the books by Larry Burkett and Howard Dayton. Yep. In terms of like money yep. matters. Sod Bob, godly counsel, excellent. Uh, they are content with the lifestyle that God has called yep. them to live, and yep. they're not bothered by their rich uh, business associates driving nicer cars yep. and living in uh, nicer homes. Yep. So they're building churches in heaven rather than on earth. Excellent, thank you. Um, contentment is, is, I believe, the antidote to so many ungodly. Uh, desires and ungodly thinking, such as selfishness, covetousness, greed, envy, things that often uh, cause people to get into trouble, to spend more than they're making, get into debt, and sometimes just, just waste money and spend it unnecessarily. Contentment is, is a rare thing we see in our society. For godliness with contentment is great gain. Yep. First Timothy 6. Yep. Excellent. Excellent answers. Thank you. Here's the suggested solutions I had. Yes, they have practiced biblical stewardship as demonstrated by the following. They acknowledge that God is the owner of their money and material things, including Ron's business, and that they are just stewards. Two, they have learned and implemented many biblical financial principles, such as contentment, giving generously, and debt reduction. They are careful to follow God's will. That is, they will not make any major purchases until they have a clear directive from God, even when they have the money. And in Luke twenty-two forty-two, that's where Christ said, not my will, but your will be done. In other words, we need to make sure it's God's will, whatever we do. Number, the second question, when their income was modest, Ron and Marion had the mindset of a steward, not an owner in managing money that God had entrusted to them. Do you think this attitude was critical in determining how they would handle a surplus? Consider Luke sixteen ten. This is where Christ said, Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much, and whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So what do you think? How does that... Uh, do you think when their income was modest, they were good stewards? Do you think that has... Uh, that's important? Yeah, I think, you know, that they were trustworthy with just the little things that God gave them more. Yeah. Um, but when I look at this verse, I also see is it's not just talking about finances, right? Like... Mm-hmm. Um, being trusted with, like, I, I look at it as, like, souls, right? People's, people's mm-hmm. lives and being able to, um, I guess, like, preach to them or being, being a good, I guess, example with your life. So if you can be trusted with just financial things and you can be seen as trustworthy with that, then God may trust you with, you know, being able to share and uh, to plant seed in other people as well. Yep. That's a good point. Actually, we'll go over Luke 16, 11, the very next verse. And one thing Christ said, if you're not trustworthy with handling worldly wealth, who will entrust you with the true riches? And we'll talk more about it. And part of that true riches, spiritual responsibilities, having the privilege of leading people to Christ, and, and things that have eternal uh, impact, things that are, that are beyond this world. Here's my suggested solution. Absolutely, yes. An individual's management of money is determined by their attitude or their mindset towards money, which will generally be applied regardless of the amount of income that they have. That's why Jesus said that if you're not trustworthy with a small amount, then you will not be trustworthy with a large amount. In many ways, one's management of money is a reflection of one's character and priorities, which generally does not change as one's income increases. 
The reason I bring this one out is so often we find we're sitting down with individuals or couples, and they'll have a good income. He makes X, she makes Y, you add it together, and it's, it's, it's sufficient. It's, it's really is enough to meet their needs. And often the mindset is, well, I guess we have to make more money. He's got to go get another job with more income, or maybe she's, he's got to get a part-time job or do something. And, and what they don't realize is the biblical truth is, if you don't manage a small amount of money well, you won't manage a large amount. And I see it in my practice all the time. People are making modest income, and they're, they're spending a little more than they're making, and it, their income goes up, and eventually over several years, they're making very good income, very, very high income, and they're still spending more than they're making and accumulating debt at times when it just shouldn't be happening. And uh, it's, it's, it's really an attitude. It, it is a reflection of character, a reflection of priorities. If you remember in Matthew 25, that's where the God who's, that's where the master who was God entrusted his servants, which is you and I, with different amount of money. One he entrusted five talents, another two, and another one talent. And, and he, he, it says the master went away for a long time, a long time, perhaps a lifetime, I say. He's gone away for a long time, perhaps a lifetime, and he returned to make the servants accountable. And remember, it's interesting, one of the key things in that, in that, the, that parable is the fact that you had to show you were trustworthy with a smaller amount before God would entrust you with more. And if you actually look at the same version in Luke 19 about the minas, the same parable essentially, it, it, Christ, the master actually said, it was God, take the mina from he who has one and give it to the one who has ten. And of course, the people around said, well, wait a second, he already has ten. And then, then Christ said, but everyone who has will be given much and much Everyone who has will be given much. And, and the key there is everyone who has been a good steward, that's the implication. A lot of people misunderstand that scripture in Luke 19. If you've been a good steward, if you've managed money God's way, so often God will entrust you with more. He may not. He may entrust you with blessings that are, that are non-financial, but he may very well tr- entrust you with more financial resources. I've seen it so often. Um, and, and, but if we're not trustworthy with a small amount, we won't be trustworthy with a large amount. Number three, how would you describe Ron and Marion's attitude with respect to the lifestyle that God has called them to? Is this consistent with biblical principles and provide a reference to Scripture? How would you describe their attitude? They're content with what they have. They don't yeah. need more to uh, yeah. be satisfied. They don't need a yeah. bigger house or big fancy cars. Yeah. And, and that's, that's something that's very rare. I mean, when do you ever see an advertisement in our society, you know, that, that encourages you to be content? It's usually the opposite, right? Go ahead. Uh, they're servants of the Lord. Um, Matthew six twenty four. 24. Uh, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Excellent. So they had an attitude of contentment and an attitude of serv- serving the Lord. That's their focus. Hebrews thirteen five says, Keep free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said... Um, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So being content with what you have and yeah, staying right. free from that love. Excellent, excellent. And uh, that, that's, that's something that uh, is rare in our society, just to learn to be content with what you have. And uh, they were content, actually, with, with a, a lifestyle that was less than their income. Um, they did not covet, even though their associates were yep. driving nicer cars? Yep. That's, that's a good one. Because in the business world, it's, it's very easy to try to... To, to, fall in, to, to fall into the trap of covetousness and wanting to keep up with your business partners. Yeah. Deuteronomy 28, if you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commands I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on the earth. And then in 12 it says, the Lord will open the heavens, a storehouse of his bounty, to send rain on your land in season and to bless all the work of your hands. 
You will lend to many nations, but you will borrow from none. Excellent. One of God's amazing promises, if we put him first, we fully obey him, we'll be lenders, we won't be borrowers. Is that what's happening in the world today? You see all the, 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 the market volatility we're up against and, and all of the uncertainty in the economy. What has happened? So many nations in this world have violated God's fundamental principles by spending more than they're making for two, three decades and, and, and accumulating these huge deficits. At one point, we know in 2008, the governments had to step in and, and bail out the banks. Now other governments are stepping in to bail out other governments. And who's going to bail out the big governments, the real big ones? Uh, it's, it's, if you violate God's financial principles, you'll suffer the consequences. Psalm 128, 1 and 2. Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in his ways. You will eat the fruits of your labor. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. Thank you. Excellent. So here's my suggested solution. Ron and Marion's Marion's attitude in respect to their lifestyle is one of contentment. Yes, this is definitely consistent with biblical scriptures, and some of those were actually mentioned. Actually, we'll get more into this later, but if you look at Philippians 4, 11 to 13, that's where Paul said, we know how committed he was. Paul said, for I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. The idea is Paul, as committed as he was, he had to learn to be content. So you can't just go home tonight and say, bingo, I'm going I'm to switch everything up here and be content. You have to learn to be content. And the key, if you look at verse 13, was his relationship with Christ. As soon as you develop and get a closer relationship with the Lord and you start focusing on things of eternal value, suddenly the things of temporal value become a whole lot less important. They become unimportant in many ways. And that's, that's one of the key aspects to learning contentment. I believe contentment may be the most important biblical attitudes towards money and material things. It's the antidote to many worldly attitudes such as selfishness, covetousness, envy, and greed. Would it be wrong for another Christian to purchase a bigger home which they could easily afford? This couple's felt led not to do that. Would it be wrong for another Christian? Is there a maximum size of home that a Christian should have? I said no. I mean, some people may disagree, but if they're good stewards of their money, then I don't see... It depends on why they're doing it. If they're in the right mindset, if they're doing yep. it for selfish, worldly gain, yep. that's one thing. Good, good comment, because attitude is key on it. Why are you doing something? Proverbs 16:2. all a man's ways seem innocent to him, but the motives are weighed by the Lord. God, God looks at motives, he looks at heart. So one question is, why are you doing something? I had the same question. The per- what's the purpose behind this? Are they, do they need a larger family room because they want to do a s- small group ministry? Do they want to uh, mm-hmm. be a foster home? Are they, do they want a place for missionaries to Good question. have a retreat? What's the purpose? Good qu- and that's the kind of questions that we need to, to ask ourselves before we increase our lifestyle. And it, 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 Go ahead. One at the back. I think the size of the house is, uh, is not the most important part. It's anything that becomes the idol, is the, mm-hmm. they take the place of God. Yeah. Whether it's a house, your own children, mm-hmm. or your job, or position, if they take the place of God in your heart and your yeah. mind, that will become a big problem. Excellent. Colossians 3, 1 and 2, it says, Since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. The idea is focus on things that have eternal value. And 
if, if it's also, if it's taken a lot of time and effort and energy to get more material things, then maybe you've got to step back and say, hey, maybe I'm not in God's will. We've seen some of our clients where they're debt-free and they have surplus of cash, where they start buying toys. That's a danger, by the way. That's a bigger danger for the guys than the gals, but gals can do it too. Um, and they start buying toys, and they start buying boats and sea-doos and ski-doos and, you know, all kinds of different toys that they really don't need. It's not wrong to own those things, but you've got to really make sure it's God's will for your life and, and not make it an idol. And by the way, don't, don't have so many things that you've got to look after. One of the downsides, the more things you have, the more time it takes and the more effort and the more maintenance. Here's my suggested solution. Generally speaking, it is not wrong for a Christian to own a bigger home as long as they can afford it and as long, it is, as long as it is consistent with God's specific will for their life. And I think that the key is make sure it's God's will for your life. Every Christian must ensure that they are within God's will with respect to their personal lifestyle. They should not buy something just because they have the cash or just because the bank will lend them the money. Ron and Marion were following God's will for their lives. They were doing what the Lord wanted them to do. And Psalms 32 and 8 is a great verse where God promised, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. I think of a successful entrepreneur that lives in a house that's worth about a million and a half dollars. And some would, Christians might say he shouldn't do that. What's interesting, he gives away about two million a year. He gives away more than the value of his home on an annual basis. Sometimes it's as high as three million. He certainly has really put God first in, in managing money. And he did it when he had a small amount uh, many, many years ago. And he's continuing to do it when he has a large amount. Ron and Marion diligently developed a close personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Do you think this has any impact on the way they manage money, or is the management of money independent of one's relationship with the Lord? Please explain your answer and provide a reference to Scripture. So they had a close relationship with the Lord. Do you think that impacted how they manage money, or do you think it's independent? I just think of Jesus in the garden um, at Gethsemane and just how he was um, in suffering, and even when uh, God's will for his life seemed hard, um, he was willing to follow God's will. So... Obviously, Jesus had the closest relationship to God, mm. and so he was, no matter what, seeking and willing to do God's will for his life. Yeah. Um, and so I think, obviously, in his example, um, following God's will and being close to God, you know. Excellent example. That's an excellent example. Thank you. Yeah, I think it, it has everything to do with it. Like, when you're in a relationship with someone, that, that affects everything that you do. Like, when you're married, it's not like... Any choice you make, it's not just affecting you anymore, right? So mm -hmm. it's the same idea. When you're in a relationship with Christ, then all your actions, all your thoughts are, I guess, influenced by Christ. So mm -hmm. you, you can't say that these things are independent. Excellent. Thank you. I think it's the love between us and God that if you love someone, you want to do anything for him. I think that's the relationship. I think when, when Jesus was in his, uh, when he was 13 years old in Luke, chapter 2, 49, and he said that uh, I must be about my father's business. That is the relationship between him and God. And I think if we imitate Christ, if we think about our father's business and our love between us and him, we will think our way to please him, to love him, including our money and our relationship with the family. I think that's the key for the... I think that is actually the first ever recorded statement by Jesus in the whole history. I mean, that gives a very important point to all of us. Excellent point. So if you have a close, loving relationship with the Lord, for sure that's going to have an impact 
on, on how you manage money. Well, not to skip ahead a couple of slides, but uh, Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So mm-hmm. Jesus very clearly made uh, where we put our money a reflection of where our heart is and yep. also a reflection of our relationship with him. Excellent. Thank you. These are, these are really good answers. So here's a suggested solution I had. Ron and Marion's close personal relationship with Jesus Christ has a tremendous impact on how they manage money. They're doing many things that are contrary to the world and our natural selfish desires. I mean, they did so much that was contrary to the world, contrary to our natural and selfish desires. For example, they were content to live a lifestyle that is much less than what they could afford. They prayerfully seek God's wisdom and God's specific direction in managing money and material things. I mean, the world certainly doesn't do that, and sometimes Christians don't either, and we need to. They acknowledge that they are stewards and not owners of all assets. They operate with no debt. Again, as you know, that's very rare in our society. Uh, They give generously to God's work, and their focus is on the eternal, not the temporal. That's almost, I call it the paradigm shift, when, when God's people get focused on things of eternal value rather than the temporal. What happens is the temporal, the material things become a whole lot less important. And then you focus on things that are going to last for eternity. Number six, this is the opposite. So we've established that a close personal relationship will impact how you manage money. What about the other way? Does a Christian's management of money impact their relationship with God? Is the opposite. So does does a Christian's management of money impact their relationship with God, or is one's management of money and their relationship with God independent of each other? Consider the following scriptures. I'll focus on the first one. Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters, either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So does a Christian's, in, does a Christian's management of money impact your relationship with God? What do you think? I'd say uh, definitely because uh, your trust could be in your money, whether you have it or not, instead of trusting God for your provision. Mm-hmm. You'd say, well, I've got you know, enough money in my bank account to last me so, so many months or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or on the contrary not having enough money, you could be panicking and, and uh, full of fear, wondering where, that, where, where your next meal is going to come from, okay. as opposed to trusting God. Trusting the Lord is key. Anything else? Any other comments? Does a Christian's management of money impact their relationship with God? I think it does, like big time. I know for me personally, because I know that when, because of my relationship with Christ, when I'm focused on Him, I, I know that my money, it comes in the line, like the biblical perspective. And when, if you have biblical perspective of money, like you're spending time in God's word, but if you're more focused on the worldly things, mm-hmm. then you, I tend to spend less and less time with God and then focus more on the world. That's a good answer. If you start worrying about all the worldly things, then you're going to be focused on that. That'll take away from your relationship with the Lord. I think also piggybacking on that, um, when you're serving the Lord in, in respect to money and financially, Everything falls into place, whether it's just enough to get you everything that's needed, whereas if you're not focused on God with it, you tend to find there's never enough. And it mm. just comes naturally with that when you're focused on God, it just happens. You don't have to worry about it. Excellent. Thank you. It's interesting when they're describing um, in the Bible what heaven is like, and they say things like streets paved with gold, stuff that we consider precious here on earth really is so commonplace in heaven. And the opposite is true. The, the things that we're not valuing here on earth, like taking those extra few minutes to stop and help that person at the side of the road um, and just getting so busy and caught up in our lives are really where the true riches are. Thank you. Just thinking about it's sin and just 
simple enough. Like if we're putting uh, the love of the world and love of money before God, you know, we're not loving the Lord with all our heart and all our mind and all our and all our uh, spirit. You know. Yep. So simple enough. Okay. Thank you. One last comment on this. I have a question. Um, what is your definition of the finish line then? Is it when the assets are in excess of the liabilities? Oh, no, no. The finish line I was referring to later is um, it's biblical to save for future needs. It's not biblical to hoard. The one guy in the case study, Day, was a hoarder. He already had saved enough for all future needs, and it was time for him to, to focus on things of eternal value and, and probably give away a substantial amount of his income, maybe some of the capital even. Yeah. So you've got to make sure you... And the other thing about a finish line you could look at is just lifestyle. What is, what is God's finish line for you? What is God's lifestyle for you? And that can vary from Christian to Christian. Let's go. Here's my suggested solution. Yes, management of money does impact our relationship with God. Christ warns that money can be a serious competitor with our relationship with God. We can serve money or God, but we cannot serve both, as it says in Matthew 6.24. I'm going to give you two examples to demonstrate this. The most common one is the first one. If a Christian spends more than they earn and they accumulate debt, they will experience financial problems. That's, that's so common. Stats, if you look at it, 80 to 90% of the people in our country spend a little more than they earn. And you know it's so easy to do between credit cards, lines of credit, overdraft privileges, don't pay a cent till 2011 at the retailer. You know what it's all about. Zero uh, percent financing on the cars, so easy. So if a Christian spends a little more than they earn and they accumulate debt, they'll experience financial problems which will consume time and energy. Their focus will be on financial problems not on their relationship with God. That's what's going to happen. That's where their treasure is going to be and their focus of their energy. On the other hand, if a Christian has no debt, but they focus on the accumulation of material things like uh, Dave did in the first case study, then they will likely struggle with the love of money. The Apostle Paul warns, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Paul's talking about Christians there, and he's saying that the love of money can cause you to wander from the faith. And so either, either approach, uh, the bottom line is the management of money does impact our relationship with God. And I want to give you the conclusion, then I'll go back to one verse. But the conclusion is at the bottom of this slide. How we manage money impacts our relationship with God, and our relationship with God impacts how we manage money. They both tie together. Money management and spirituality are interconnected. They're not independent of each other. And it's interesting, if you look at 1 Timothy 3, 4, and 5, one of the requirements for an overseer or a leader in the church was that they must not be a lover of money and they must manage their own family well. And part of managing your own family well would be managing money well, managing it according to biblical principles. And I'd add one more because um, I think Luke uh, sixteen eleven is a really key verse. I'll just read it there, which says, So if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And I, just, I think the key with Luke 16 and 11 is this, is that Christ has warned us, if we're not trustworthy with something of lesser importance, like money and material things, which is very temporary, why is he going to trust us with things of greater importance, such as true riches, things like spiritual responsibilities, things like uh, being involved in, in anything that has an eternal perspective on it, leading people to Christ, this kind of stuff. And, and I believe the greatest... Now, the true riches can be several things, and that's a, that's a thing we could discuss for 20 minutes on its own. But I think the most important or the greatest true rich is a close personal relationship with God because the Apostle Paul, for example, in Philippians 3a, considered his relationship with Christ to be more important than everything else. 
And uh, so the bottom line, again, conclusion there is how we manage money does impact our relationship with God, and our relationship with God does impact how we manage money. If you would like to learn more about handling money God's way, be sure to check out the numerous resources available at copelandfinancialministries.org. Again, copelandfinancialministries.org.